One Man Brand Radio with Ray Sagern, voice of the entrepreneur. If you'd like to work directly with Ray and his team to grow your business through more powerful marketing campaigns, reach out to him via his website at raysagern.com or call 512-808-5775. This is One Man Brand Radio on KLBJ, brought to you by Salt, Light, and Electric, and also Hoover's Cooking. Check out Salt online at bettercallsalt.com. And for Hoover's, it's hooverscooking.com. So we're in flashback mode on this segment of One Man Brand Radio. One of my all-time favorite interviews, working on five years, working on our fifth year of doing the show now. One of my favorite interviews is with the founder of the Alamo Draft House, a ways back, talking about Tim League. So this go-round on One Man Brand Radio, let's revisit that conversation and cherry-pick some of the best parts of our talk with Tim League here on One Man Brand Radio from KLBJ. So you and I have been friends on Facebook a lot of years, and maybe to say hello at a fantastic fest or bump into you here or there, maybe in, a, in an airport last year, bump <laughs> yeah. into you, right? Okay. But but this is the first time we've had like a real conversation. Mm-hmm. But on Facebook, there is a picture, and I don't know if I saw it. This is one of these weird Rain Man things I get where I, I can remember little frags. I don't remember if I saw this three months ago or three years ago, but it's a picture of you and your wife, Carrie, and I think you've got like a sledgehammer <laughs> and, uh, over your shoulder, and you've got like this devilish jack. Nicholson grin on your face. Take me back to. Do you know the picture I'm talking? I about? I know the picture you're talking about. When when I mention that picture, and we'll hunt it down and maybe put it in with the show notes here. Uh, when I mention that, take me back to that to that day or that era in the beginning. That was a picture that was taken in the spring, maybe February of 1997, and it was very very early on in the construction of the theater. Uh, it was taken by my old college roommate. We only have like four photos of the early construction project. Thank God he came by with a good camera and took a few pictures. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, all of them are me shirtless, so that's the record that I've got. Um, yeah, so Carrie and I uh, were the construction crew. We were everything. So we built that theater every single day for six months with our own two hands. We had one guy that worked for us hourly. So really, the three of us did everything. And it was a raw warehouse space. It was really the only thing that we could afford. It was, our, I think, our fifth choice of venue because mm-hmm. we kept on getting turned down. Right. Because we didn't have enough money and we didn't know what we were doing. And I think the, the real estate brokers saw that. So that first space was a second floor warehouse parking garage that had no infrastructure. So that was us definitely mom and pop bootstrapping. One Man Brand Radio here on KLBJ. Our guest Tim League this morning from the Alamo Draft House. You know, we, we gather Saturday mornings to share stories about entrepreneurs from entrepreneurs, you know, but there's a larger audience for that. And, you know, in the United States, obviously, mom and pop is a thing. Mom and pop businesses. And even before you guys had kids, you know, here's a couple doing a business together. What's your advice for husband and wife teams out there that are going into business together? We have a couple rules that sort of formed organically. Um, One was we made sure it was really important to differentiate areas of responsibility. There were certain things that were Carrie's responsibilities and uh, her voice carried. Like if we had a conflict, then she won in her areas of responsibility. And I handled other things. We were obviously collaborating and, and brainstorming together on just about everything, but she ruled in her domain and I ruled in mine. The other is just in general, I mean, it's a really high pressure situation, you know, working together side by side. We, I mean, we started the theater before the Alamo in Bakersfield. And during that time, uh, we actually lived at the theater. We lived in a squalid little room behind the screen because we, <laughs> we sold everything we had to raise money. Oh, that's and, a great uh, <laughs> story. Man. That's awesome. And so we were literally working side by side 24 hours a day, every day, except when, you know, I had to go run to get a loaf of bread at the supermarket. We were side by side. And that can 
be a pressure cooker. And our rule of thumb generally is whoever cares the most genuinely gets to win. We also found it pretty healthy to um, be able to, even though we're working side by side, to sort of separate from time to time. Like I would do my thing and be holed up doing it. And then we'd come back together for dinner. Somehow we've made it work over, you know, I don't know how many years it's been, 25 years of marriage. So, yeah. yeah. You made a conscious choice to have franchise be part of the model. And my company works with businesses across the U.S. and Canada, fair amount of them are franchises. It's a complicated model. It's a lot of work. You know, I mean, it's like writing the manuals, open the door and enter the building safely and cut the lights on. You know, the way you you just tedious writing sometimes to get the systems across. But when you talk about the brand, I know how much of your DNA is just woven into the brand. Talk to me about the pitfalls or the, the struggle or the opportunity to to make that scalable past the ones that you operate day to day that that's the hardest part about franchising is keeping the brand integrity and the systems right when somebody else is in charge of it it is a huge challenge and it is a difficult way to go one of the benefits of franchising is you don't have to sell your own brand in order to expand Right. So the the main holding company for Alamo Draft House is still entirely ours. Right. But the compromise and the trade off is this relation, this franchisee franchisor relationship. And we're trying to approach it differently. I mean, when you think of franchising, you're generally thinking of McDonald's or IHOP or Subway, things like that, which you can just sort of spend three hundred thousand dollars and you you know get the license and everything comes in a box and you put up the stickers and you, mm-hmm. you, you build it out to their specs and you run it. It should be exactly the same as the one that's three miles down the road. That's the nature of it. So for us, we have a very small pool of people that are working with us as franchise partners, and we are very selective about who we work with. And part of the deal is you have to follow our methodology when it comes to having the localized creative control. So we're not building a cookie cutter franchise. We're saying, here's the vision for the brand. Here is the systemization of the brand, which is the food and beverage and the systems and software. That is like a regular franchise. But then... After that, we're letting them do things differently in each market in terms of how they engage with their community. It's One Man Brand Radio here with Tim Leake from the Alamo Draft House and also what was Draft House Films and is now Neon and Fantastic Fest and Birth Movies Death. And we're running out of time, Tim, before we run out of topics. (laughs) I want to ask you, uh, part of being an entrepreneur is you skin your knee sometimes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, you make a misstep or whatever. One thing that's popping in, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was pretty awesome, actually, but it was a hog hunt from helicopters (laughs) on one of your Fantastic Fest. Yes. And and of course, got a little controversy. I'm not asking you to go in depth about that necessarily, unless there's an interesting lesson from your point of view, but you know, the entirety of what you do is is met with such universal positive acclaim so much of the time. But you have your shortcomings just like everybody does. You make mistakes like mm-hmm. everybody does. And as entrepreneurs, it's important that we learn from those mistakes. I'm curious kind of what your take is on that. Sure. I mean, well, the important thing is not to shy away from the conversation. So I'll go to the hog hunt. It was, a, it was something we did for VIPs at Fantastic Fest. We kind of like to embrace our stereotypical Texan-ness. Sure. Ever, always take people out for barbecue, take them out to shoot guns. Um, it's, you know, we're in Texas. Right. So that was sort of the most extreme version of shooting guns. 
guns, which was using semi to full auto weapons out of helicopters to, to, to shoot hogs, right? It's what we do in Texas. Yes. And, you know, it just so happens that we have a feral hog infestation problem. It causes millions of dollars in crop damage. And it's it's why it's legal to do that, because mm-hmm. they're a pest. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're preserving all these wonderful vegetables for the vegetarians. So mm-hmm. anyway, but, you know, I'm being flippant about it right now. Clearly, some people were upset that we were associating that with the festival. And so I stated my case as to why we did it and what it was all about and my position on the issue. It didn't calm the opposition. And so we did two things. One is we said, okay, I I am listening. I hear you. We have a difference of opinion, but out of respect for this audience, we're going to cancel that event. It's not integral to the event. It's just a silly thing we did. But then we incorporated it into the festival itself. We have this formal debate uh, called the Fantastic Debates, where we take a controversial issue and we take uh, one side and versus the other. And I debated about... But wait, you're leaving an important part out. You, yeah. you, you, it's a debate, okay? <laughs> you each take a side, but but you're leaving out. Oh, there's deal. one other thing. The fantastic debate starts with a formal high school style debate, but then the last two rounds of the debate, the debate takes place inside a boxing ring. Is two rounds of boxing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so I, there's that. I took on the debate on the pro side of this to say it is not unethical to hunt feral hogs from helicopters and debated Resolved. and and debated somebody who yeah. uh, took the the other side of the position. Unfortunately, that guy was also a um, actual formal second place world karate champion and he punched me really hard in the face a couple times Ouch. <laughs> oh, well. Tim League from the Alamo Draft House get you out of here on this I know from being friends on Facebook uh, beekeeping yes. is or was a big thing for you what are the business lessons that you've learned from beekeeping so what does it take to be a successful beekeeper what is I mean what's the end result what mm-hmm. are you doing it for and then what goes in what are the granular components that require you to get there maybe that that can so it's a fantastic hobby. Fantastic hobby. Uh, I was interested. It was, a, it was a present from my wife for Christmas. I had been talking about it in the past couple of years and she bought me a hive. And then, so I needed to figure out how to do it. So I actually took to social media and um, said, hey, does anybody have any advice? In that big engineering mind of yours. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And so I found a mentor who guided me through the process Here's and then started reading books and uh, became competent enough in my base understanding of it to say, I'm going to go ahead and embark upon this and buy some bees which you have to do to start it off. So it's it's learning and getting educated. But then you're tending to this hive. You're tending to thousands of bees. And so there is this idea that you're the CEO of this hive. You're mm-hmm. kind of nurturing this hive. And so my job was once a week to come in, put on the suit and inspect the hive. And what you're doing is basically making sure that everybody's doing the job. The queen's still alive. The hive looks healthy. There's no threats to the hive. I had a small hive beetle infestation. And so I had to learn about how to tackle like this. A, that's a hostile takeover. Yeah, it was a hostile takeover. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the, the hive was uh, in jeopardy and I had to go buy some beetle blasters okay. uh, and, and win the fight and keep them, you know, marching towards... Um, you know, the end product, I guess, is honey. But I just took joy in uh, the, the role of it. Maybe you know? that's the thing. Maybe that's the lesson is get a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>